Coming up. Who was Princess Elizabeth of Bohemia? Monsieur Descartes, I learned with much joy and regret of the plan you had to see me a few days ago. What was Elizabeth's devastating critique of Descartes' theory of mind? I ask you please to tell me how the soul of a human being, it being only a thinking substance, can determine the bodily spirits in order to bring about voluntary actions. What can we learn about Elizabeth's philosophical views from her other letters? The fire of ideas going back and forth, it forces you to pay attention. Our guest is Lisa Shapiro from McGill University. In Elizabeth's words, we don't have an infinite science. The life and thought of Elizabeth of Bohemia. Your affectionate friend at your service, Elizabeth. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Did you know that Philosophy Talk turns 20 this year? And to celebrate, we're inviting you to Philosophy Talk's first ever quiz night. On Thursday, November 9th, join us at KALW's community space in downtown San Francisco. There'll be refreshments, prizes, and lots of philosophical fun with us, your hosts. That's Thursday, November 9th, 6 p.m. at 220 Montgomery Street in San Francisco. Come question everything. Except your trivia knowledge. Who was Elizabeth of Bohemia? What did she have to say about the mind-body problem? And how is she still relevant today? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, it's the latest episode in our series, Wise Women, supported by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. We're talking about the life and thought of 17th century philosopher Elizabeth of Bohemia. Yeah, Elizabeth of Bohemia had that famous objection to Descartes. Descartes said mind and body are totally different substances, but she wrote him a letter where she took that apart. Exactly. For him, the body is material and extended in space, but it can't think or feel. And, and the mind, that thinks and feels, but it's purely spiritual and it doesn't occupy space. That's the famous Cartesian dualism. Right. So that brings up a pretty big question. How do these two things interact? So I wake up in the morning, decide to drink a nice hot cup of tea. That thought causes my body to move. Then after I've had that nice hot cup of tea, I'm a whole lot more clear headed. So now my body is influencing my mind. Well, yeah, that's exactly what Princess Elizabeth was getting at. She asked how the soul of a person, it being only a thinking substance, can determine the bodily spirits in order to bring about bodily actions. And Descartes had an answer of sorts. Right. He said it's not just the body and the mind, there's also the union of these two things. The union can want tea and drink the tea and feel clear-headed. Problem solved, right? Yeah, I bet she found that very convincing. <laughs> I know, right? She basically accused him of hand-waving, in a very diplomatic and princessy way, of course. She said, I know that the soul moves the body, but you have to show me how. Well, Descartes kind of had an answer for that, too. But unfortunately, it's even worse. <laughs> he says, look, when you drop a rock, it moves downwards, down towards the earth. So that means that the earth is moving the rock without touching it. And if the earth can do stuff like that, why can't the soul? Why can't the soul move the body without touching it? I love Elizabeth's response to this. She said, you're just explaining one thing you don't understand with another thing you don't understand. 
nobody knows how the Earth pulls all those rocks toward it. Right. Newton hadn't been hit on the head by that apocryphal apple yet. Exactly. And nobody knows how the mind moves the body either. Even to this day, people are still arguing about it. I mean, a lot of us believe that we have souls that are somewhat separate from our bodies. That's why a movie like Freaky Friday makes such intuitive sense to us. Something weird happens and two characters swap bodies. And that can only happen if minds and bodies are in some ways separate things. Yeah, same thing for a lot of religious beliefs. Reincarnation, immortality, guardian angels. This idea that our minds could continue to exist without our body... That's very Cartesian. Yeah, anybody who believes in that stuff should go read Elizabeth's letters. Including screenwriters. But it's not just her ideas about the mind and the body that have left a lasting impact. She was also interested in mathematics, governance, the emotions, and a whole lot else besides. She corresponded with all kinds of intellectual figures about all kinds of topics and always had interesting things to say. I'm sure our guest will fill us in on all of that. It's Lisa Shapiro, professor of philosophy at McGill and editor of Elizabeth's Correspondence with Descartes. But first, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to find out more about the life and times of this philosophical princess. She files this report. Elizabeth of Bohemia was a princess. That sounds great. Except she was born in 1618 in Heidelberg, Germany. This was at the start of the Thirty Years' War, one of the most devastating and brutal wars in history. She was a granddaughter of the King of England and Scotland, and one of her forebears was the King of Denmark. That's Sarah Hutton, a visiting professor at the University of York. And I have a great interest in women philosophers, especially those of the 17th century. So we're in the right time period and on the right show. Elizabeth was educated more or less the same as her brothers, but she, from a very early age, was obviously very intelligent, very studious. Um, They spoke many languages and she spoke them best of all. Um, And she was known among her siblings as La Grecque, which means the Greek, because she studied classical languages. As a woman, Elizabeth grappled with personal sorrow and the struggle to pursue philosophy. The title, Elizabeth of Bohemia, arises from the fact that her her father rather unwisely accepted to be elected king of what is now Czech Republic, Bohemia. But this led to wars and he was um, overthrown very quickly and his own lands in Germany were overrun um, and he had to flee with his family and they lived in um, exile in the Netherlands for all of Elizabeth's upbringing. The Thirty Years' War that was at everybody's mind. That's Eric Jan Bos, a postdoc at the Erasmus School of Philosophy in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. The whole of Western Europe suffered from this terrible war, which waged primarily in the German countries, and Austria, Hungary, Poland. It was a terrible war. Of course, most people know Elizabeth from the letters she exchanged with René Descartes, beginning in 1643. She was very important for Descartes' own philosophical development, in a way. She enticed answers from Descartes, which he didn't give anyone. To put it another way, he wrote her letters, he didn't write to anyone else. On topics he didn't discuss in that detail with anyone else. 
1667, Elizabeth became an abbess, the head of a convent where Quakers, Labadists, and other Protestant sects could find refuge. Her final days were spent in Hereford as Hereford Abbess. Sabrina Ebersmeyer is a professor of philosophy at the University of Copenhagen. She says that as Elizabeth was facing death, religion became more important to her. She became sick, people tried to cure her, and she became engaged in a letter exchange on religious matters. Unfortunately, she decided also to burn all her papers um, before she died, um, thinking that all this worldly fame and glory that was based on her earlier exchanges with famous philosophers, that that was just not worthwhile uh, stay in front of, of God in the end. But luckily, we do have her correspondence with Descartes. And for people like Ebersmeyer, reading those letters is uplifting. With all this hostility towards intellectual women and all these problems she was facing, she still managed, you know, to express her thought um, and come up with very original and very interesting arguments that still uh, inspire uh, today people <laughs> to think more about. Ebersmeyer says that in Germany, where she's from, Elizabeth has always been kind of famous as a historical figure. But in the last few decades, she's come to be known as a philosopher, a princess living and thinking in tough times. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.